This week on Geek Explained, in the aftermath of Ultimate Invasion number one, hitting store shelves and the birth of a new universe, one question remains, how did we get here? Find out in our Ultimate Junevasion finale as I count down the top 10 essential Ultimate Comics. <laughs> Welcome back to Geek Explained. I'm your host, Eric Azana, and today's episode is the finale of Ultimate Junevasion. Uh, this has been an entire month dedicated to the Ultimate Universe, and it has been so much fun sitting down with some of my favorite people to talk about Earth 1610. This week, we are going to be wrapping it all up as I count down the top 10 essential ultimate comics i've done this for a few different episodes before i've done an essential batman comics and essential spider-man comics and it's always a good time putting these lists together but it's also really freaking difficult <laughs> so i'm gonna be basically giving you the top 10 comics to read if you want to know what's going on with the ultimate universe and get you caught up to everything you need to know to enjoy Ultimate Invasion and the new universe that Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch are building. And on top of all that, there has been a lot that's been going on this past week. Not just the birth of a new Ultimate Universe. Uh, Final Fantasy 16 dropped. I have yet to start playing it, but I absolutely adored the demo. I have it loaded up, and if time permits me as I'm recording this, if I get time, I will hopefully be playing it as soon as I finish recording here, so wish me luck on that. We also got the first uh, reviews in for My Adventures with Superman, and I cannot wait for this! I'm really excited. I've been wanting a Superman anime for a really long time, and though it's not technically that, um, all the reviews from people who I respect and who I adore and whose uh, likes and dislikes align with mine have been absolutely loving it, so I'm really, really excited to watch this thing whenever it does come out, anyway. Anyway, uh, we also had uh, the Forbidden Door pay-per-view for AEW slash New Japan. Uh, Will Ospreay had the best match on the show two years in a row when it comes to Forbidden Door. And also tore the house down for the second time this year with Kenny Omega in an absolute bloodbath of a grudge match. Wonderful, wonderful show. Had a really good time. Orange Cassidy in the uh, international title four-way was also fantastic. Uh, just a great show all around. Really, really cool stuff. I had a ton of fun with it. And I, you know, I can't wait for the next year. And I can't wait to see where Will Ospreay goes next. He is consistently one of my favorite wrestlers. He is just absolutely crushing everything that he does. And if this man does not win the IWGP Heavyweight Championship by the time, by this time next year, I will eat my hat. I will do it. I will do it. Uh, this week, also this Thursday, as I'm recording this, 
we're finally going to be getting season three of Warrior, and I'm really stoked about that. I am finally catching up on season two, and I am just, oh, I'm loving it. I've, I, I routinely forget how much I love this show, and then I watch an episode, and I remember, I remember how much I love this show. It is, gosh, it's incredible. I absolutely love that. But to it, back to the episode at hand. Uh, we have this week's comics countdown where I'll be chatting you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week. And we are seeing the return of the weekly review. You voted. The segment is back. And you also voted on what we're going to be covering. So we will be covering Secret Invasion. I'm going to be reviewing episode one. So make sure you stay tuned after the jump for all that fun stuff. But before we get into all of that, let's roll right on into the main event, the main course, the entree, if you will, as I count down the top 10 essential Ultimate Comics. <laughs> We stand on the precipice of a brand new Ultimate Universe. But before we get into this new universe, we need to take a look back at where we've been to figure out where we might be going. This is the finale of Ultimate June Vasion, and in this finale, I will be counting down the top 10 essential Ultimate Comics. I've done this a couple times before, but the basic premise of this is I want to give you 10 comics to read in order to find out everything you need to know about the Ultimate Universe so you can jump into Ultimate Invasion with Jonathan Hickman and Brian Hitch and know exactly what is going on. More or less. We know as much as we know, but when it comes to Jonathan Hickman, we can never know enough. So this is going to be 10 comics plus some honorable mentions to give you the lowdown and give you everything you need to know about the Ultimate Universe so that we can dive into this new one and figure out maybe what the hell is going on with it. I have had a deep-seated love for the Ultimate Universe for a very long time. It was hitting its stride right when I became a comic book reader, and I have had a soft spot for Earth-1610 for pretty much my entire comic-loving career. And so putting this list together has been incredibly difficult, as you might imagine. But... I do think that if you read these 10 comics, you will get a sense of what the universe was, what it represented, and where it could go following the events of Ultimate Invasion. So without further ado, let's get into this list. But before we get into the list proper, I want to give you three honorable mentions and a couple of ground rules as well. So ground rule number one. No Ultimatum, no Ultimates 3. I have been pretty vocal, I think, about my disdain for that writer, and I just don't feel like giving them that kind of platform. 
on my platform to talk about his work. I have done so in the past. I have tried to do so for comics that have a special place in my heart or have given me a special connection to characters that I love. But Ultimatum 3 and Ultimates 3 are garbage books that have no redeeming qualities. So those books will not be on here. You can skip them both and you lose absolutely nothing. Also, this is not a definitive, like, these are the only books that you will enjoy if you read The Ultimate Universe. There are plenty of other comics from The Ultimate Universe that I'm sure I missed and are not on this list that you will enjoy. It all depends on your personal views and your personal enjoyment and what you look for in comics. I just think that these are the 10 that you need to know going into this next stage of the Ultimate Universe. So those are kind of my ground rules, my caveats, my disclaimers, I guess. So let's dig into these honorable mentions. First honorable mention, Ultimate X-Men. Started in 2001, but the one I specifically think you should dive into is the Brian K. Vaughn run. Uh, this is Ultimate X-Men issues 46 through 65. Vaughn had a long run when you get into it and you kind of leave out the Bendis stuff. And even though Ultimate X-Men, I think, has a really strong um, beginning, Mark Millar, for whatever reason, really hit on something when he was working in the early days of the Ultimate Universe, but Vaughn really took everything that had come before and ran with it. You get your Sinister with, quite possibly, the best defeat of Charles Xavier that we've ever seen in comics or in any other media. You get the uh, debut of Gambit. You get Mojo in the most dangerous game on Krakoa. You get, what else, um... We get Lady Deathstrike, and then it all wraps up in uh, basically the X-Men versus the Brotherhood versus the Chil- the Academy of Tomorrow with Emma Frost. It's just a great all-time run and is kind of the best of that Ultimate X-Men run. Uh, art by Brandon Peterson, Stuart Immonen, Andy Kubert, Steve Dillon, and Tom Rainey is fantastic, and I absolutely recommend you checking this out. Uh, next honorable mention is Ultimate War from 2003. This is a miniseries. Uh, four-issue miniseries, Ultimate War number one through four, uh, written by Mark Millar with art by Chris Boccolo. This was the very first crossover in Ultimate Comics. Uh, you've had, like, different characters pop up in, like, Ultimate Spider-Man and then later get retconned that they were completely different characters. But this was the first true blue, like, big crossover for the Ultimate Comics, and that being they crossed over the Ultimates and the X-Men. And again, Mark Millar was kind of helming both around this time. And you could tell that this was something that he was really into. And I think it shows the quality. It's not the best crossover that the Ultimate Universe ever had. We'll get to that. But I think it's still really solid and a great first outing for that universe to show how interconnected it could be. And then finally, this is more of a, you know, Kind of a give or take, but I feel like it needed to be on here somewhere. Uh, Ultimate End from 2015. This was part of the big Secret Wars event that gave, I mean, what, like a dozen, two dozen different spinoff titles while everything else was canceled. And this was one of those spinoffs. Ultimate End issues one through five, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Mark Bagley, bringing the duo back together to finish off the universe they started. 
this is fine. It basically gives us the ending for that universe, though I don't think it was the most satisfying ending, and hopefully as we continue into this new Ultimate Universe, our boy Johnny Hicks has something uh, up his sleeve to wash the taste out of this out of their mouth. But, again... If you want to get the full scope of the story and see where we left these characters last time we saw them, this would be where you do it. But that brings us to the list proper. Honorable mentions out of the way. These are the 10 essential Ultimate Comics that you should read. And I'm going to be doing this, like I said, in the order of probably how you should read them. Um, you can intersperse them as you see fit when certain breaks happen or certain things come up and you can be like, oh, well, what's happening here? It'll probably be mentioned on this list. Um, but if you read these kind of in this order, I think you'll get the full scope of the Ultimate Universe and you'll be able to kind of follow along with the development, both the rise and the tragic fall of Earth-1610. But first things first, Ultimate Origin is kind of my first chapter here. I have these named in chapters. I don't... Th these aren't the names of the comics. I'll get into the names of the comics. But the first chapter should be where everything began. The ultimate origin, if you will. In 2002, Mark Millar, Brian Hitch, The Ultimates. Issues 1 through 13. We covered this! We covered this last week! Uh, go back. Dallas and I had a wonderfully introspective conversation about the whole thing. Um, it is absolutely a comic of its time for better and for worse, but it really does set the tone for everything that we would see here. These are wildly different versions of the characters than we're used to seeing in the 616, one Tony Stark notwithstanding. But it's it's basically the 2000s, the decade of the aughts, distilled into a single comic book run. And it establishes the world and the general themes of that world, of the ultimate universe, the cynicism mixed with the heroism. This was an incredibly, I think, revolutionary thing at the time when this was coming out in the early 2000s. And the Ultimates set itself apart by showing characters who up until this point didn't, I, I don't want to say never did, but very rarely reflected a lot of the overly... Uh, overly cynical uh, worldviews and sociopolitical themes of the day. Obviously, um, social issues and everything have been part of comics since the very beginning with Superman. But this was kind of the first time that they decided to take what was currently going on in the world and apply it to literally everything in every character. Uh, the Ultimates, like I said, is a mixed bag of a comic, but if you want a starting place, an entry point into this universe, you will not find a better book. So that is where we start. Then we move into The Ultimate Spider-Man. This kicked off in 2000, so it was the first part of the Ultimate Universe, but I think having the Ultimates to set you up gets you into the zone of where the world is going and then allows you to get further into Ultimate Spider-Man. Uh, written by Brian Michael Bendis, art by Mark Bagley et al. All of the 
artists, the wonderful artists that worked on this book, there are, I mean, lists and wikis. And actually, if you go back last year for our second season of the Geeksplain Book Club, I made it a point to list every single artist in the intro as we read through. So by the time that we got to the end, I mean, I was reading over 30 names as we got (laughs) into the intro. Not even the main part of the book club. It was just giving you the creators. So this Ultimate Spider-Man book, uh, it's it's the flagship. This takes place in Ultimate Spider-Man number 1 through 160, Ultimate Comics Spider-Man number 1 through 29, Ultimate Spider-Man number 200, and Miles Morales Ultimate Spider-Man 1 through 12. We covered all of this, like I said, last year in the book club, as well as uh, Miles' early adventures written by Brian Michael Bendis in the 616 following Secret Wars. So if you want a week-by-week reading to follow along with, join us there. Join us in the past. We had a ton of fun putting that together with some of my favorite versions of characters that I miss to this day. But this is really the definitive Ultimate Saga. This is, if you wanted a a distillation of the hero's journey in the Ultimate Universe... Ultimate Spider-Man's got you covered. It has two incredible leads in Peter Parker and Miles Morales, and the story that is crafted from beginning to end is just... It's iconic for a reason. It's many people's favorite Spider-Man for a reason. I admit, I was not super high on it before I read it. I thought it was overrated, but... After reading it through the book club, I mean, it's hard to argue that it's not one of, if not the best depictions of that character, especially for a modern audience. Um, It's also one of the few times that we get a true comic book death, kind of. Uh, The death of Spider-Man is, I mean, it's one of those comics that you kind of stick with. It's a comic that... I will defend to my dying day, uh, no pun intended, even though they backtrack on it, we do get a really satisfying follow-up, and this gives us the character of Miles Morales. So it represented and stuck with the giant seismic shift that that event should have when you kill off the flagship character for your universe, you know. The Ultimates got their name from the Ultimate Universe. Obviously, they were the premier superhero team in that universe. But to audiences, to readers, Spider-Man was the quintessential Ultimate character. There's a reason that Miles Morales is really the only hero out of that entire universe that has stuck around. And it's... It speaks to how good that comic is. It speaks to the staying power of those characters. Not every story is a home run. You know what I'm talking about. But it honestly is one of those comics that you fall in love with as you read it. I know I did. Um, it It involves... You see Mark Bagley's art grow, evolve, and change across the course of his time with the book, which is wild to watch. And it's wonderful to watch as well. And you see this just wonderful story of a kid having great power thrust upon him and having to also inherit great responsibility. And there is not 
one single comic that I think embodies that mantra more than Ultimate Spider-Man. So that's where I think you should go next. Obviously, because this comic does stretch from the beginning of the Ultimate Universe to the end of the Ultimate Universe, there will be gaps and there will be moments where you say, wait, hold on, what just happened? But that's when you jump onto these other books. First of which being in our third slot here, The Ultimate Heist in Brian Michael Bendis, Trevor Harrison, and Joe Quesada's Ultimate Six. This was a miniseries, a seven-issue miniseries that was the blockbuster event for me as a reader of first-time Ultimate Comics. Um, this was the first big crossover for Spider-Man, where he got to crossover in 2003 with... The Avengers. And the Avengers got to fight the Ultimate Six, the ultimate version of the Sinister Six. If you, again, want to go back in the book club, we covered this. What a story. What a cool story of having the Avengers face off against the Sinister Six and this being the Ultimates versus the Ultimate Six. And it just being this big time you know, Michael Bay, giant explosions, big, big bombastic action movie that I could easily see them fitting into an MCU series. Give us a seven-episode MCU series on Disney+, Plus. give it the big budget that it deserves, and then just have this go wild. I would watch it. I would watch it twice, even. It's just one of those great stories that not only connects the universe proper in the Ultimates, um, meeting and interacting with and pushing forward the narrative of both that book as well as Ultimate Spider-Man, but also furthers the ongoing war between Norman Osborn and Peter Parker. That conflict really is the backbone of Ultimate Spider-Man all the way up through Peter's death. And seeing the the distillation of that and the escalation of that into, oh, this is now a national security threat. They're invading the White House. It's just a wonderful comic that absolutely deserves to be read alongside the best of the Ultimate Universe. It's just a wonderful story, and if you're looking for something that gives you that big-time comic event feel, this does it in spades. Now we move on to something a little different. We're moving from bombastic action into the ultimate science fiction comic with 2004's Ultimate Fantastic Four. This is Mark Millar and Brian Michael Bendis on writing duties with art by Adam Kubert, Jay Lee, and Greg Land. Uh, this took place, the comics that I think you should really dial into is the original six issues, Ultimate Fantastic Fantastic Four 1 through 6, as well as issues 21 through 32. That's all the Millar and Bendis stuff. Um, Millar and Bendis were on that initial six issues, and they were fantastic. It's a great new uh, revitalization of the Fantastic Four. And then Millar went away for a little bit and then came back for issues 21 through 32, which, again, for whatever reason... Early on Ultimate Universe, Mark Millar was firing on all cylinders and just could not miss. But what I really think you need to read this comic series for is ultimately the tragedy of Reed 
Richards. It might be the best reimagining of the Ultimate Universe. Like, you can obviously look at Ultimate Spider-Man as the best comic from the Ultimate Universe, but the leaps and bounds we have made in the science fiction genre from when the Fantastic Four made their debut in the early 60s till now really does put a microscope onto what you could do if you updated that original 60s team and brought them into the modern day. So it might be the best kind of redux reboot of the Marvel Universe that the Ultimate Universe ever ever did. If you disagree, feel free to let me know. But I do think that this does the best job in taking characters that were genuinely maybe the best uh, distillation of the 1960s when it came to what readers were interested in in the 60s and bringing them into what made readers come to the game in the early 2000s. Uh, this is also the biggest villain origin story that you could ask for. Um, this is also features the first multiversal crossover for the Ultimate Universe when the Reed Richards of Earth 1610 met the Reed Richards of the Marvel Zombies world! This is the run where the Marvel Zombies debuted and would later spin off into their own series. And this is, of course, where the saga of the Maker begins. You might have noticed I said that Miles Morales is the only hero that is still bopping around after the collapse of the Ultimate Universe. Well, there's a reason I said that. Because the Maker is quite possibly the best villain in Ultimate Comics. But this run really does give you that basis, that origin story for the Maker. And he is someone who is very important going forward. Not in just the Ultimate Universe, but in Secret Invasion, in other comics. And now, of course... Did I say Secret Invasion? I meant Secret Wars. Uh, in comics following that, as well as, of course, Ultimate Invasion now. Uh, the next comic that you should check out is difficult to really uh, recommend due to the writer, but I do think it is necessary and required reading. The Ultimate Armageddon in Ultimate Comics. I could stay awake just to hear you breathing. Uh, written by Warren Ellis. Gross. But art by Brandon Peterson, Trevor Harrison, Steve Epting, Steve McNiven, Tom Rainey. It's the Ultimate Galactus Trilogy. This is Ultimate Nightmare issues 1 through 5, Ultimate Secret issues 1 through 4, and Ultimate Extinction issues 1 through 5. This is the ultimate invasion of a Marvel cosmic force, Galactus. That's not Galactus, it's G-A-H space L-A-K space T-U-S Galactus the armada of ships that more or less worked like the Annihilation Wave as this just sweeping force of hive mind ships that touch down on a planet devour it whole and then move on to the next one um, this features quite possibly the greatest and most 
out of left field reimagining of a force of nature. You think Galactus, you think of the big body, the big purple hat, the giant machine, I hunger. And don't worry, we're getting to him. Uh, And you take it and you turn it into this invading force, this armada of ships that just come and wipe out planet by planet and it's a really cool reimagining of that idea we get the silver surfer hard to really mess with that but we get the entire world of the ultimate comics coming together in 2004 and facing off against a world-ending threat. They hadn't had something like this before, and this threatened the entire planet, so you got to see everyone come together to fight off this gigantic end-of-days threat. The comic itself, as Galactus and the Ultimate Universe sometimes gets, is convoluted. However, it's ultimately really satisfying as a story, as everyone coming together to face down this ridiculous threat that is raining fire and doom from the sky. Enemies become allies, weapons become salvation. It's just a great story that, again, shows what the universe can accomplish when the chips are down and their backs against are against the wall. Wonderful story, not great creator, but ultimately a really, really satisfying event. Next up, we have the Ultimate Doomsday. This is the Ultimate Doomsday trilogy written by Brian Michael Bendis with art by Rafa Sandoval. Uh, This is Ultimate Enemy number one through four, Ultimate Mystery number one through four, and Ultimate Doom number one through four. This, my friends, is the birth of the maker in the aftermath of ultimatum don't read it don't worry about it we got to see many lives ruined and one of those lives was reed richards this is the reed richards heel turn this is where he goes from hero to villain and this isn't even his best villain story however It is necessary to show what his defection to the dark side does to not just his team in the Fantastic Four, but to the wider Ultimate Universe as well. This shows the ultimate fracturing of the Fantastic Four. They were never the same after this, and was also, I think, the beginning of the end for Earth-1610. This, if you start here and just follow the trajectory... This was really the moment when we could see kind of the end game of the universe in that Reed would be a survivor in any situation and that would often come at the detriment of his friends and family. Amazing comic. I remember reading this for the book club and just being blown away both literally and figuratively, by this comic. It's just such a great betrayal and such a great um, ass-kicking as well and a wonderful kind of revitalization of that character. Reed Richards was starting to become kind of redundant as many of the uh, ultimate Marvel characters became once the 616 began taking on more properties and attributes from them as well as from the MCU. So seeing them go 
hard left turn in 2010 and say, no, now our Reed Richards is going to be a villain was just chef's kiss. And did a great job in giving that character a lot more shelf life. Which we would see immediately followed up with in the ultimate reset of not just a character, but also a franchise in Jonathan Hickman and Asad Ribic's Ultimate Comics, The Ultimates. Issues 1 through 12 are the ones I would recommend because, of course, those are the Johnny Hicks issues. And this is where truly, I think, the Hickman-Marvel experiment begins. This is just the coolest thing that came out of that Ultimate Comics era alongside, obviously, Miles and all the things that would uh, eventually fall from that. But this is truly the debut of the Maker as a fully formed and fleshed out character. This is when Reed Richards decides to stretch his head with a big ol' helmet and builds up the Children of Tomorrow, the World, the Dome, and... I just, I mean, I love this book. It Not only is it gorgeous to look at because of the Ribic art, but again, this is uh, Hickman planting the seeds for everything that we would see going forward from him when it comes to the Marvel Universe. This is also, also a great moment to see Ultimate Thor kind of return to form as a hero. Uh, he'd been bouncing around in a bunch of comics up to this point, never really feeling as special as he did before, as we saw the 616 Thor begin to kind of overtake all of the cool things that we originally <laughs> saw, um, saw the Earth-1610 Thor innovate, but this is him really becoming the ultimate Thor again. And it's a great story for him. This is also where the balance of power kind of shifts away from the heroes of the ultimate universe into the hands of the villains. Uh, we see ultimately that Reed does get momentarily uh, defeated at the end of the story, but you know that this is a looming threat and that Reed will not go quietly into that good night. So it's a great, great story. Again, one of the best, I think, runs on a on a comic in the Ultimate Universe that's not Ultimate Spider-Man. And if you are a Hickman purist, if you are someone who loves Hickman's run in Marvel with Avengers, uh, Secret Avengers, all of that stuff, or New Avengers, excuse me, um, you need to read this because all of the stuff that happens there does get seeded here as well. Which brings us, speaking of uh, multiversal stuff, to the ultimate crossover in 2012, written by Brian Michael. Bendis, art by Sarah Pacelli, Pacelli Cinderella, Spider-Man. Spider-Man issues one through five. This is when the Spider-Verse enters the chat. And I've, I remember at the beginning of this month, Malcolm, uh, my co-host on the Geek Explained Book Club, doesn't really look at this as an ultimate comic. This is more of a Peter Parker comic. However, I disagree. This is the first time that the Spider-Men of two worlds really meet each other. Uh, this is pre-Dan Slott's Spider-Verse. This is Peter Parker 
popping over to the Ultimate Universe and running smack dab into Miles Morales. I love this story. It's one of my favorite Spider-Man stories. It's one of my favorite Ultimate Comic stories. Um, this is also where we get to see our boy uh, Quentin Beck uh, become kind of the linchpin of not just um, Spider-Man's rogues, but also the Spider-Verse and the Multiverse, <laughs> as well as maybe one of the pioneers of Secret Wars, because we find out that he has been doing multiversal bullshit for a while, and Mysterio in one universe is actually the Mysterio of two. A really cool reveal, even though I much prefer the ultimate Mysterio to the classic Mysterio. And it's just a great story about passing the torch that Miles never really got to have with the death of the ultimate Peter Parker. Having 616 Peter go over there and see how much his life has impacted everybody. Seeing a teenage Gwen Stacy and being like, holy shit, you're alive and you're happy and you're thriving. Oh my god, this is amazing. Aunt May, you're wonderful and having a great time and thriving. Oh my god. This is so cool, and this is also them, the ultimate Gwen, ultimate May, ultimate Miles, getting to see Peter Parker, a grown-up adult Peter Parker that they never got to have because their Peter died young. And it's just a great story about two Spider-Men coming together to solve maybe not the you know, most world-ending threat that we've ever, or multiversal-ending threat, but just getting a crossover that is, that feels timeless. And it's a story that you can pick up and give to somebody. It's one of the most rereadable Spider-Man stories because of just how fun and kinetic it is. Um, there is, of course, a little mystery, a little intrigue. Peter gets to meet the Ultimates, Nick Fury, and all that stuff. But it's just a great story about closure. About these characters getting the closure that they needed and allowing Miles to finally get the pat on the back from Peter Parker to say, you are Spider-Man, just as much as I ever was. And it's just, it's so cool. It's a great story. Also gives us the biggest cliffhanger of the decade, maybe. Um, we're not going to talk about how they followed up on the cliffhanger, but the cliffhanger itself was fantastic. Just a great story. And one of the best ultimate stories that we've ever gotten so 2012 gave us the ultimate crossover 2013 at the number nine spot gives us the ultimate ending for the ultimate universe written by brian michael bendis art by mark bagley at all once again because there are a ton of tie-ins for this you knew this was coming you knew this was coming pete it's Cataclysm. Cataclysm, the Ultimate's Last Stand, issues one through five, and all of the assorted tie-ins. We covered a couple of them on the Geeksplained Book Club, but you should you owe it to yourself to read all of the tie-ins because all of the tie-ins are incredible. And this is for my money, the best Ultimate Comics event they ever did. And all they needed in this recipe of wonderful stories and wonderful characters in the ultimate comics universe was to just throw in a little dash 
little dash of a purple helmet man. That's right, the 616 Galactus comes to Earth-1610 to devour it. The event was... I remember when this was coming out. I wasn't I wasn't reading it at the time, but I remember when this was coming out and this being marketed as this is it. The ultimate universe is ending here. Galactus is going to eat this world, and that's just how it's going to happen. Um and so everything feels big time. Everything feels that much more desperate, that much more dire as Everyone is unable to figure out how to deal with this giant man who wants to eat their planet. And Galactus, at the same time, is like, I don't know what's going on here, but I have had a multiversal road trip, and I am jonesing for a little uh, meatball sub, if you know what I mean, with the meatballs being planets. And everything is so cinematic in this, once again, just like with the original Ultimate Galactus trilogy, the world of the Ultimate Comics coming together to deal with this threat. This is everyone coming together once again for the first time in forever to unite in, I, in maybe their final moments. It's just a great story. It's so cool. This also features Kitty Pride's finest hour in the Ultimate Universe where she becomes the key to defeating Galactus of all people. So freaking cool. Thor also gets his, basically his ending in the Ultimate Universe. This is also where we get to see Miles and the Maker, the two survivors of the Ultimate Universe, head over to the 616 for the first time. Maybe an omen, maybe foreshadowing what would happen to them at the conclusion of Secret Wars. But we get to see Reed of the 1610 look at the Reed of 616 in his life and say, God, have I been, am I the bad guy here? Have I been doing this wrong? And it's just a great moment for him. It's a great moment for Miles getting to see the world that's a little bit shinier than his. And it's just... Oh, it's so cool. It's big-time event storytelling at its best. Uh, this feels like it could truly be the end, while it also feels like these characters are going to fight until their last breath to defend what is theirs. And it also features maybe the best ending for this universe. If the Ultimate Comics, right? If the Ultimate Comics imprint, if that line ended after this comic, whether Galactus ate the Earth or whether they survived... I don't think anyone would have complained. I know I certainly wouldn't have. With them taking this idea of being the little brother to uh, the Marvel Universe and being like, well, I mean, we can do stuff too. We're a little, we're a little grimier, but like we're we're heroes just as much as they are. And being faced with the biggest threat that they have ever faced in Galactus and being able to, in their darkest hour, rise above it. That gives you all the validation you need for this universe to be as valuable and as valid as 
the original 616. It's just a great story, and I wish that maybe things could have ended here, but we did see this become a new beginning for a lot of characters. Um, this was, I believe, the end of the presidency for uh, Steve Rogers for the moment. This was also the birth of the new Ultimates. This was, for better or for worse, this was the, you know, like I said, the ending of Thor, but the beginning of the rest of everyone's lives as they got into the the last kind of leg of the Ultimate Universe. This also gave Kitty Pride and the X-Men superstar status, turning the world around on them finally, after years and years of being persecuted. This was a great moment for them. It was just it's just a good comic. It might be my favorite ultimate comic. It's I I just keep gushing about it and there's a reason. Like it's such a good story. And all of the build up for it, all of the especially if you look at some of the more street level characters, just seeing this giant body in the distance. It's ominous looming over their city it's just, it's cool it feels like what big time comics should it feels like those big event movies that we used to be like holy shit that's a great trailer and i don't know how they're gonna deal with this it's i mean i would love a cloverfield style tracking of someone just living through this event this found footage of galactus arriving to their world it would just it would be the coolest thing and i just i i love this story i love this story and i feel like it is the ultimate ending for this universe but of course we would see them survive on to be destroyed in ultimate end slash secret wars but that brings us to our final comic our number 10 of the top 10 essential comics for the Ultimate Universe, and that is the newest out of all of these books. That is Ultimate Invasion 2023, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Brian Hitch. This encompasses the miniseries Ultimate Invasion issues 1 through 4. Issue number 1 is on stands right now! Go read it! It's the birth of a new Ultimate Universe. All of us. All of us. When we heard Ultimate Invasion, thought, okay, this is them going back to the Ultimate Universe. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. No. This is the maker building a new Ultimate Universe. Reed has decided, I am done trying to get back to the world that I knew, and I'm intent on making the world that i want we haven't gotten any kind of uh connection or explanation at least in this first issue on how reed went from showing up in the ultimate universe at the end of his run in venom till now i'm assuming we're going to get that kind of connection and hopefully get that explanation but for now that first issue wild wild this is an also possibly a new chapter for miles he did rebuke uh reed's offer to come with him to the new ultimate universe in this issue but i have a feeling this isn't the last time we're gonna see him involved in this uh this also features the reunion of the illuminati characters who we've been waiting on charles xavier rocking a very maker-esque costume uh reed richards namor uh who else we got on this black bolt 
Doctor Strange, Iron Man, the original Illuminati are back together. Black Panther? Was he there? He was there. And all of them just coming together to try and stop whatever the hell the Maker is up to. But they can't. And this does signal a brand new Ultimate Universe. And maybe the return of the Ultimate Comics line? Maybe? Maybe we might see it? We might see it? I also, I mean, again, it's hard to argue against the uh, the idea that we gave Johnny Hicks the, maybe the inspiration to do this. Who knows? I mean, we did the Ultimate Spider-Man book club last year. Johnny Hicks wasn't writing Ultimate Comics. And now, he's bringing back the whole gosh darn universe. I just think it's interesting. I just think it's very interesting. But overall, what a wonderful opening chapter for whatever this new Ultimate Universe is going to be. I cannot wait for the next three issues of this. And wherever we go from there, it is going to be a wild ride. And if we know anything, big comics reveals can still happen. We... I read Void Rivals number one uh, the other week, and it revealed at the end of the book that we're getting a Transformers book by Daniel Warren Johnson. It wasn't publicized. It wasn't leaked. When this comic hit shelves is when we learned about that. So I would love if they could do that again with this new, if they do announce a new Ultimates line, I would love that to be the way they do it. They wait until the very final page of Ultimate Invasion number four, and that's when we get the slate. I think it would be incredible. But that does it for the essential Ultimate comics. I think this gives you a pretty clear roadmap from beginning to end of the original Ultimate Universe to get you prepped and ready to dive into the new one. And, I mean... Hype is at an all-time high, right? I am so excited to continue this Ultimate Saga. We all thought it was over. We all thought that the Ultimate Universe was a foregone or a bygone time. That this line was over, that it had ended, and that we would never, ever see a brand new Ultimate Universe and... We found out this year that all the Ultimate Universe had to do was meet its maker. It is now time for the weekly review. This is the segment of our show where I review something weekly. And you voted for it, so here it is. We are going to be reviewing all six episodes of Secret Invasion. Starting with this week, well, technically last week's episode, Resurrection. Episode one. And before we get into anything, we gotta talk about this fucking title scene, guys. It's just... I, look, I don't think anything that I say is going to be revolutionary or 
you know, be anything new that people haven't heard already. And neither is that intro. Oh, got him. Got him. Because AI is bad. It just is the dumbest thing to make this with that stupid AI generated bullshit. It's just, it's bad. It looks bad. And this excuse of, oh, well, we wanted to make it look uncanny. It doesn't look uncanny. It looks bad. It looks like computer-generated nonsense garbage. The whole idea behind the scrolls is that they can change their appearance so that you wouldn't know if it was a real person. Well, not a real person, because obviously scrolls are people too. But you wouldn't know if it was the person that you knew them to be or if it was a scroll imposter. And this is very clearly bad AI-generated art. There is no discernible way that you could take this and be like, mm, I think a person actually made this. There's just no way. There's no way. And we've seen other intros from other from other Disney Plus shows from other Disney Plus Marvel shows take the approach the same you know kind of approach as this but they had actual artists working on it it's just it's gross it's really gross and i felt gross watching it and i feel kind of gross talking about it every week with all of the nonsense going on but it is also kind of a cool episode it's kind of a cool show i was really hyped for this i was really excited because i love the scrolls as a concept i love secret invasion as a story and i really was into the idea of this being like a cold war-esque spy thriller featuring nick fury and the scrolls and so i just wanted to like this intro and i just i can't on principle, by principle, I can't like this thing. It's gross. It's borderline abusive to artists and viewers everywhere. And I just, I, I can't, I can't back that. I really, really can't. Um, that being said, that I needed to get stated at the front because it is, it's right up front. It is at the beginning and it smacks you in the face with this and it kind of soured my enjoyment of this first episode uh which is unfortunate but i still overall liked the episode uh again with it being this like spy thriller uh sam l jackson is doing the most as this kooky grandpa who's brought into this international emergency uh maria hill gets and obviously we're going to be talking about spoilers like we do with every weekly review but both maria hill and everett ross uh were off with everett ross being revealed as a scroll we don't know how long he was a scroll we don't know how long he's been a scroll when he was uh replaced maybe we'll get the information on that but right now we can just say he was always a scroll we don't know the difference at this point um i'm sure i would hope that they would address this but again, we only got six episodes, and there's a lot of ground to cover. So we'll see. But we did get to see also the death of Maria Hill. Now, it cut away from her pretty quickly, so I've got half a mind to believe that after Maria Hill's death, we are going to see her also turn into a scroll, And then that's going to light up the international, like, Oh my god, what is this creature? And what is this doing here? But we'll see. 
If not, it kind of feels like a really bad handling of that character. Maria Hill is an incredible character in the comics. Uh, I tend to like her more in the Ultimate Universe, uh, which is timely, but she's always been a very dynamic character, whether you like her or you don't like her. She's a very dynamic character in the comics, and I don't think they ever really gave Kobe Smulders enough to do with her, and that's why I was kind of excited that she was going to be kind of a co-lead in this. But... Unfortunately, it looks like that's not the case because she dies at the hands of our main villain, whose name I do not remember and I will not look up. Uh, it's I I no I I thought I could pull it out of my head, but no. Uh, but we do see that this is going to end up being like a buddy cop deal with uh, Nick Fury and Talos. Or Talos, depending on who you ask. Because these pronunciations of certain names were fucking all over the place. <laughs> we need to just stick with one. There's Talos, there's Talos. I just... Anyway. Um, the standouts for me were uh, Amelia Clark as... Oh, God, I can't remember her name either. But she's the daughter of Talos, Talos. And also... We got the queen herself, Olivia Coleman, as somebody. We don't really know what her deal is, but, I mean, it's Olivia Coleman, guys. She's she's the best in everything that she pops up in. So, I really enjoyed it. Again, I like the idea of the Skrulls have infiltrated. There is now this non-peaceful Skrull faction, as I figured there would be, that has been steadily growing. But they also have, like, this... This kind of gives me... Did y'all watch the Kevin Bacon show? The like I think it was called The Following. Um, I love that show. Absolutely adore... I'm, I'm, you know what? I'm not going to look up the name of the Secret Invasion villain, but I am going to look up the name of this show that Kevin Bacon was on. It was, okay, it was The Following. So it was The Following, Kevin Bacon, James Purifoy, uh, two actors who I think are fantastic. And it's just... It gives that vibe, and I loved that show, so I really dig this. The The Skrulls have their own, like, little compound that they're taking refugees in, but they're also kidnapping people and replacing them in society for reasons. You would assume that, like in the comic, they'd be like, oh, we need to infiltrate the superhero community. We need to infiltrate uh, sociopolitical structures. But... It kind of seems like they're just picking up random ass people. And I, I mean, I don't know what that means. I don't know if they're just doing it for giggles. But they obviously have decided that we are not going to look for a new home. We are going to make Earth our home. So I'm not sure exactly what their game plan is. And I'm sure that we'll get the info over the next five episodes. But we'll just have to see. Uh, all I know is that I think the series got off to a strong start, excluding that bogus uh, theme intro title card sequence. And I'm looking forward to seeing more people reveal the scrolls. If we don't get the payoff to that Nando V movies uh, War Machine has been a scroll this whole time uh, theory, I think I'm going to, I mean, what are we doing here, really? But, like I said, I enjoyed it. We'll be reviewing every episode week by week, so join me, won't you, next week as we review episode two. 
But for now, let's roll on right into this week's Comics Countdown. Welcome back to this week's Comics Countdown! This is the segment of our show where I'll chat you up about all the comics you should be picking up this week. Whether it's at your local comic book shop, a comicsology, or however you get your comics, these are the ones I think you should definitely take a look at. But before we get into this week's books, we gotta take a look back at last week's books with the Geek Explain Pick of the Week of last week. And you know what it is! It's Ultimate Invasion! It's Ultimate Invasion number one! Uh, I already talked about it a bunch in the main uh, segment, so I won't belabor the point here, but just just read Ultimate Invasion number one. It's wonderful. It's astounding. I'm really excited. But that brings us to this week. And this week we've got one, two, three, four, five, six books for you to check out. So let's dive into this list. Kicking things off with Action Comics number 1056. This is written by Philip Kennedy Johnson, Dorado Quick, and Dan Jurgens, with art by Rafa Sandoval, Lee Weeks, Max Rayner, and Yasmin Flores Montanez. And, I mean, it, it, it's a great book. I've talked about this. I've been talking about this. The book is great. I just wish that this was more of a Superman family book than... Superman for two books and then one little backup for a friend. I really, I would love for this to be an extended roster. I I want a Kenan Kong story. I want strictly a Supergirl story. I want a just the twins story. I want, you know, I know Connor and John have their own books, but like show them off in here. Like, I just think once we get past this initial arc, we should hopefully expand into other stories. But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's dive into the synopsis. Ex Machina slash Home Again Part 6 slash Engineer of Tomorrow Part 3. A shocking new character makes their debut as the thrill-packed Speeding Bullets concludes. Superman and Metallo must reluctantly join forces to stop the cyborg Superman. With Tracy Corbin's life, or at least her humanity, hanging in the balance, the Superfamily fights to keep Metropolis standing. Meanwhile, Lois and the staff of the Daily Planet set out to, d- to uncover the mysterious leader and shocking origin of Blue Earth. So, again, this has three different stories. We've got the Metallo story, we've got the Lois and Clark 2 story with Jurgens and Weeks, which, as much as I love seeing them didn't need to be in this book. It didn't need to be in this book. Uh, and then we have the Steel uh, story, which is going on, uh, Engineer of Tomorrow, which has been, which was really good. But again, I want this to be more of a Superman family book. And hopefully from this issue forward, we're going to get more of that. Next up, we have She-Hulk number 14. This is written by Rainbow Roll with art by Andres Genelet. And I still love this book, y'all. I still love this book. I can't help it. It's too good. I really, I really dig this. Um, I love this new roguish character that they've got here who is threatening to get in between Jen and Jack. Uh, But we'll see. We'll see what happens. Let's go ahead and dig into the synopsis. The secret history of the scoundrel revealed. The coolest new villain of 2023 has been shrouded in mystery, but She-Hulk is putting on her detective hat and getting to the bottom of it. 
Yeah, I'm really excited. The Scoundrel is a fun character, and I'm excited to learn more about him, so I cannot wait to read his origin. Next up, we have Green Arrow number three. This is written by Joshua Williamson with art by Sean Isaacse. Or someone said Isaacs the other day, and if that's the correct pronunciation, please let me know, because I want to make sure I'm saying the right thing, and I... uh, I had never heard it pronounced that way, and now I'm questioning. So we'll see. But overall, Green Arrow, the first two issues have been fantastic. I'm just I'm just happy that Green Arrow is continuing to uh, to be quality comic booking. Uh, the character has not had a run since his Rebirth run, which we will be covering on the book club later this year. But I I'm just I'm excited that he's back. So let's dig into the synopsis. Shoot to the future. Arsenal and Black Canary versus Peacemaker and the new Peace Wrecker. While Arsenal and Black Canary's quest for answers has sent them into danger, Green Arrow is lost in time and space. But at least he's not alone now. Two members of the Green Arrow family join Oliver Queen in the last place you'd expect. That's interesting, because he's been with uh, Leon for a while, the two of them just palling around. Um, I also have no idea who this Peace Wrecker person is, uh, so I'm going to have to do some research on this. But I am, I'm super into this. I can't wait to pick this up. Next up, we have X-Men Before the Fall, Heralds of Apocalypse number one. This is continuing in the Before the Fall line, the build-up to the fall of X. Again, I really liked Mutant First Strike, really dug that, and I'm interested to see what they do here. This is written by Al Ewing with art by Stefano Landini, Luca Pizzari, and Raphael Di Pimentel. And this is going to hopefully give us some backstory on what's been going on in uh, in Akaro or Akaro Araco uh, in the Araco proper, not the Araco that is also Mars. But let's just dig into the synopsis and figure out what's going on. The origin of Araco. In ancient days, Genesis turned back the hordes of Amenth. In ancient days, Genesis forced annihilation into a parlay. What words were spoken in her mind? Now, finally, Apocalypse will know, and the echoes of those words might destroy him and Arako with him. So we saw in X-Men Red that the Horsemen of Apocalypse as well as Genesis are here. They have made their way to Mars Arako, and they are going to burn it to the ground. But notably absent was Apocalypse. Where is he? Where's my big blue gray boy? Uh, We're hopefully going to find out in this issue, and I am chopping at the bit to see what happened. Next up, we have the final issue of Tim Drake Robin. This is Tim Drake Robin number 10. Written, of course, by friend of the pod, Megan Fitzmartin, with art by Nicholas Emescha. Um, I just... I'm going to miss this book. I, I'm glad that we got the 10 issues that we got. I just wish that we got more. Period. I just do. I just feel like this is a run, this is a creative team that should have been given more room. And for whatever reason, they're not. Which, you know, you gotta do what you gotta do. But I have loved the ride, and I will be loving it all the way until the final page of this issue. Let's dig into the synopsis. 
Robin and Batwoman are trapped in the lair of the Chaos Monsters. Will they be able to escape with their sanity intact? So we're going to be, I'm assuming, tying up every single loose end that Megan Fitzmartin has had so far. Um, I'm, again, this is bittersweet because I know it's going to be an awesome issue, but it is going to be the final issue of this run. Hopefully this isn't the last of uh, Megan in DC Comics. Uh, she's been crushing it ever since she started writing comics and doing their animated films. So I'm hoping that we get to see more comics from her, but I guess time will tell. But the big book of the week, the book I think you should absolutely be picking up, is Captain America, Symbol of Truth, number 14. Written by Tochio Nyabuchi with art by Zay Carlos. Um, this is the... Oh God, this is the final issue of Symbol of Truth, too. Oh, I'm just looking at the synopsis now. Lord. Uh, look, I know we're getting Captain America, the... Um, the Straczynski run is coming, and that's going to be a Steve story. I know that Sam is going to be the main cap in Avengers. I just... I don't like that this this era of the Cap comics is ending. It bothers me to no end. We are, of course, getting the, the I believe, the 75th or 80th anniversary of Cap next month. And then that's going to lead into the big finale for this run. But, again incredibly bittersweet synopsis goes like this cold war aftermath fresh from the battle with bucky barnes and the white wolf sam wilson returns home to harlem with battle scars and a renewed sense of focus with misty knight by his side he sets out to forge a new path and maybe reunite with some old friends along the way so we're getting this final issue again i'm sad about it but not a whole lot else we can do gang i've loved this run i've i've loved sam's time as cap and i hope that continues for a good long while uh but that is going to do it for this week's comics countdown to recap we have action comics number 1056 she hulk number 14 green arrow number three x-men before the fall heralds of apocalypse number one tim drake robin number 10 and captain america symbol of truth number 14 Books are ending this week, and that's very, very sad. But make sure your love of comics doesn't end by showing up to your LCS on Wednesday today and picking up some great comics. And that is going to bring us to the wrap-up. If this is your first time joining us on the Geeksplained podcast and you like what I do here, feel free to subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice and give us a rating and review. We drop new episodes every single Wednesday, and honestly, ratings, reviews, and subscriptions really do help me and the podcast out in this weird podcasting algorithm space, raises up our stock, and gets us out and into the orbit of listeners just like you. And if you give us a five-star rating and review on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, I will read your review here live on the podcast. You can write literally whatever you want. I will be forced to read every single word. As long as you give me those five stars, the sky's the limit on what you can write. I would love to get those reviews in again. 
We currently have 15 reviews on Apple Podcasts, iTunes, whatever they call themselves. I would love to get to 20 by my birthday on August 12th. So that is the deadline. That is the challenge. I would love to get those reviews in. So send them in. I want to read them. I love hearing from y'all, and I would love to read your review here on the podcast. And you'll also get the benefit of being part of our amazing family. Fantasy 15, including Seafire ND, Joshua Pants to Pixels, Matt Draper, Burrito Man 88, Doug from For Every Kind of Geek, Don Swanson, That Guy Brian, Mouth Dork, Dallas Meeks, Amazing Spider Fan, A Lock and AZ, Sass, Jedi Jesse 20, Ken4656, and Director Hall. I want to say a huge thank you to these fine folks for their reviews, and I cannot wait to hear yours. If you want to be part of the Geeksplained mailbag, send your emails to geeksplained at gmail.com. Put mailbag in the subject header and I will read it here on the Wednesday show. If you'd like to stay up to date on the podcast, participate in polls that decide future episodes, or maybe you just want to shoot the shit with me on the latest geeky news, and trust me, there is a lot, and a lot coming, feel free to follow us on Instagram and Twitter at GeeksplainedPod. That's at GeeksplainedPod for as long as Twitter is around, and as I continue my journey to get better at Instagram. Uh, This weekly review was voted on in a poll this past week by you, so if you want to be part of shaping the future of this podcast... You gotta follow us. You gotta let me know that you're interested in doing that. This is, of course, a podcast for geeks by a geek, so I want to have your voice heard in this podcast. So, again, at Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Would love to have you follow us there. Finally, every single Friday, I, alongside my Flash fam, are going through every single issue of every single volume of The Flash Rebirth. This week, we are hot off the heels of the button crossover between Batman and The Flash. And this Friday, my co-hosts Malcolm Russell Nelson and Jacob Brown are joining me for Volume 4, a.k.a. Running Scared. Eobard Thon is back to ruin Barry's life again! The ultimate hater has returned! So join us this Friday and every Friday for the Geeksplained Book Club. Flash Fridays are a real thing, so be there or be square, not a circle. I want to say a huge thank you to everyone who came on for Ultimate June Invasion. My guests, Malcolm, uh, Owen from the Owen Likes Comics YouTube channel, and of course, Dallas last week from the Comics Collective podcast. I loved getting to talk and gush about the Ultimate Universe with them. Go check out their stuff. They're phenomenal. Always a pleasure having them on, and this will not be the f- this was not the first time they were on the Wednesday podcast. It will not be the last time they're on the Wednesday podcast. Uh, Ultimate June Invasion has been a wonderful time. I'm really, really excited to continue on with Ultimate Invasion into wherever the Ultimate Universe goes next. And I hope you enjoyed this month-long dedication to Earth 1610. I know I did. But next week, we're going to be kicking off the month of July, so join us for a brand new episode of the Geeksplain podcast. Same geek time, same geek channel. For now, though, for the Geeksplain podcast, I've been Eric Azana. Thank you so much for listening. Everyone stay safe, and we will see you next time. 